fans is actually a free Katuchu movement on Twitter. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, Talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Also home of the Free Katuchu movement, which is alive and strong. Joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing on this Sunday morning? Big ups to friend of the podcast, James Thurgood, for mentioning the Free Katuchu movement on Fox Sports 2. Uh, pretty much jumped off my couch. Kevin Hatchard had come very close in a previous game. Yeah. Mentioning how a lot of fans have been calling for, but it didn't really, you know, go further than that. I thought he was going to, but James yesterday brought it home for us. Actually mentioned it on air. Uh pretty phenomenal. We are now we are now nationally televised. The free Katucha movement is is going across to people all over the country. Now we love to see that. Yeah, and uh we got so many tweets from our followers and listeners saying, "Hey, did you guys hear this at Free Katucha on TV and uh, if Free Katuchu was not uh, trending on Twitter yesterday, I don't know what it was because I saw so many tweets from people I've never even we've never interacted with that said Free uh in their tweets. So uh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And in my excitement uh, for the mention on TV, I forgot how strict the DFB are on this copyright copyright infringement. And I posted that 10 second clip where um, Thorogood said that on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I got, I've been temporarily blocked now for a few days, so uh, so petty by the DFB, but anyway. I had posted a gif of uh, Harit's winner against Mainz, knowing that it was going to get taken down and I was going to get a strike for it, but I did it anyway. Um, but yeah, they, they, they don't play around with that, unfortunately. No, I think I'm up to like two strikes now. <laughs> thin line, thin line. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's, it's a rare... Uh, Sunday morning recording of the podcast for us. I feel like every episode that we've done this season so far, it's been like some weird day or time that we normally don't record at, but that's what happens, I guess, when you have, you know, actual life and schedules get in the way and everything. But uh, yeah, trading in the Velton's Pilsner for a little coffee this morning. Um, what a weird day, a really weekend in the Bundesliga. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were kicking off at 12.30 Eastern time, so we were the top spiel on Saturday. And uh, the game took on more significance, didn't it, based on all of the results that had happened earlier in the day. You had Bayer Leverkusen drawing 1-1 to Leipzig. You had Bayern getting knocked off by uh, Sebastian Rudy, the legend, <laughs> uh, and Hoffenheim. And then you had Freiburg and Dortmund uh, drawing as well. And so suddenly uh, a win would have meant that Schalke would have gone all the way to the top of the table which would have been uh, pretty incredible. So just added a little bit extra pressure and significance to the uh, to the affair yesterday. Yeah, it, it seems like all the cards fell just where there had to be. And uh, we were technically we were sitting in first place for a few minutes up until the last minutes of the game, which we'll get to later. Um, and then uh, it was funny because in the telecast, you know, while we were in first place, they said uh, the only way Schalke would not be first place at, at the end of the weekend is if Gladbach won by four goals against Augsburg. And what do you know? Would, they did yeah, they did that today. Five exactly. to one. 
They had four goals in the first half. My goodness. So it wouldn't have mattered. We would have been in, not in first anyway. So. Brelin Bolo scoring the final one to make sure that, that four-goal gap happens. So there you go. Coming back to get us, huh? Yep. Before we get into the, the game review, uh, let's talk a little, little bit about shocking news going on. Uh, we got some stuff coming up this week. Uh, and in the next couple weeks, really, um, Shaka U.S. will be traveling to Colorado for the Kick It 3v3 in Durango on October 20th. Uh, you have until October 15th to register, so make sure you do that. Um, some big news for me, because it's local, uh, Shaka will be hosting a Weston McKinney slash U.S. Men's National Team watch party in Washington, D.C. this upcoming Friday, uh, October 11th. Half of us will certainly be there since it's my hometown, Jack. Uh, the question we're getting over and over, and I'll read this one, and this is from 61 Shaka 4 and I quote, maybe both of you guys at the same party for once? What Shaka America wants to know, Jack, is will you be in attendance? We can't do that. No one wa- <laughs> Having us both in the same room, with this, that's just too much for anybody to handle. People would just be watching us instead of the game, and we can't have that. That's unnecessary. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be uh, heading up to uh, Family Lake House in Wisconsin with, with my brothers that weekend for uh, Columbus Day weekend. So Nice. Have plans, unfortunately. Uh, hoping to get some, some late-season golf in before the weather officially turns on us here in the Midwest. But uh, the D.C. event certainly sounds like fun. I think it's awesome that, that Schalke U.S. Is, is hosting a watch party, not just for a Schalke game, but for a U.S. men's national team game. Um, hopefully Weston McKinney plays in that one. Otherwise, I'll be a little <laughs> awkward. But uh, or even get the bar with us. That'd even be better, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess. Um, yeah, that'll be fun though. So anyone in the uh, the greater DC area, definitely make sure you swing by for that. If you're also a fan of the U.S. Men's National Team, and uh, hang out with Richard and Schalke U.S. Yeah, we uh, spread the we're spreading the word on um on face on the Facebook chat group, the U.S. group, and. People as far as like that New York, like our friend Zach Franciose, uh, he was saying he he will try to come down from New York. But there's a lot of people in the D.C. area that were saying they're going to be there. So this should be a fun event. Uh, regardless, uh, be good. To, it's like like you said, it's great to see that they're supporting the U.S. Men's National Team and Weston McKinney. So hopefully he plays, or at the minimum he's at the bar. Uh, either way, uh, but I'll certainly be in attendance because it'll be fun. Uh, and it's a decent time too. It's like 4:30 to 7, I think, just before the game. So pregame, uh, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. Um, and also, you know, the Derby is coming up. Uh, we're going on an international break now, but uh, at the end of the month is the, the big game, the Riviera Derby. So keep an ear out for some fun events hosted by Schalke leading up to the Derby. Um, it's going to be some an interesting interesting couple weeks here, Jack. Uh, international break is never fun. We thought we'd go into it in first place, but, I mean, it's still a good note, right? The first, first part of the season so far, first seven games, um, not bad considering. Oh, of course not. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're still performing a lot better than I would have expected us to perform at this point in the season. So, uh, you know, th- this match that we're about to talk about, you know, a little bit disappointing in some ways, but, you know, overall I'm pretty pleased to be, um, you know, kind of in kind of in range for European places at this point. And just got to keep putting those performances in because I, I, don't, I don't think the other teams around us are going to let up. As we, as we talked about in previous podcasts, I mean, it's, it's very, very competitive at the top of the table right now. I mean, two through six, all sitting on 14 points. It's Bayern, Leipzig, Freiburg, Schalke, Leverkusen, Dortmund, and Wolfsburg um, are, are tied at, at 12, I think. so. And, of course, Gladbach just, just took the lead with 16. It's, it, there's a lot of really close spots up there. Um, so we just got to keep grinding and – Try to get some more wins, and hopefully we can we can prolong our our stay around that area of the table. 
Yes, and another week we're still on top of Dortmund, so I just thought I'd throw that one out there. Um, the team Cologne, uh, as many of you know, has always been a bogey team for us, especially the last several years. Um, the lineup going into this one uh, for the for the visitors, Timo Horn in goal. Uh, he's not has been his his best, at, you know, in the last couple of years, but he is certainly a, still a good goal, quality goalkeeper. In defense, they had Hizibua, uh, Bornau, Chicos, and Karabakh. In the midfield, they had Skidi. Um, Hector Schindler, Schlaub, and Kainz, and then up top you had Taroda, who has been a—he's been a phenomenal scorer for them, uh, you know, for the last couple of seasons, especially last year in, in his fight to Bundesliga. Um, I know for me, when I saw him in the lineup, I thought, okay, he's going to be the, their biggest threat uh, going into this one. What, what'd you, what was your thoughts in the lineup? Yeah, what was it that James Thurgood said? I think he said something along the lines of Taroda is the uh, six on the all-time goring, uh, goal scoring charts in this fight of Bundesliga, something like that. So like very very yeah. high up historically, but hasn't really converted uh, that to as many Bundesliga goals. But you know, certainly somebody you have to keep an eye on. One hundred percent. And then obviously some guys they have on the bench are like guys like Cordoba who came to the match, and as well as Modesta. Um, and they and they would show up in the in the game. So uh, going into the home lineup, uh, Nubel was a question mark going into this game. Many wondered if Schubert was going to get a start for once. But Nubel was fit enough uh, to get the Friday, uh, the day before, so they uh, he made the start. In defense, the same same back four of Kenny, Sambuli, Sane, and Ochipka. In the midfield, there would be a change from what we saw last game. Uh, it was they kind of played a diamond formation to an extent, but not really. Um, it was Mascarell, Kalajiri, Sutter, and Harit. And then up top, another change: uh, Bergstaller and Mark Ut back in the lineup. Um, thoughts on the lineup pre-match? A little bit surprised by it. Uh, wasn't wasn't thrilled. Uh, I said after the last Marku performance that he definitely deserves more chances. Um, Is that wavering? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I still stand by. I mean, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get looks throughout the season. Uh, I and maybe it's because we were playing Cologne, who are a little bit lower in the table, and he thought, hey, maybe this is a good opportunity to get this guy back in the lineup. Um, I just, I wasn't thrilled because I, 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 as we talked about, Cologne has been sort of a, a bogey team for us at, at different periods of time, and you know you can, you can say that, and it's difficult for everything to carry over season to season because it's totally different circumstances. I mean, look look how good we're performing this season, right? I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but right. there's 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 some hoodoo around them for some reason, and especially with you know the added carrot of potentially going top of the table. I was hoping for a little bit stronger of a lineup. Now, granted, you know, we kind of ran ourselves to death against Leipzig with, you know, how, how much we were pressing in that game and everything. And it, it, not a bad idea to get some fresh legs in there. But, um, you know, Calajari hasn't performed well this season. Mark Ut hasn't performed well basically since he came to Schalke. So I was looking for a little bit stronger of a lineup. Yet another one without Katuchu starting, that kind of thing. So slightly disappointed, but... Um, at least there's still continuity with the back line. Uh, it's kind of funny that Nubel was questionable to start for a while because he looked totally fine in this one. Like it didn't look like he was laboring at all with any sort of injury or anything. So, uh, and then he obviously ended up putting in a, a good performance. But uh, yeah, raise the eyebrow a little bit. Um, would you agree, or you know, did you like what you saw out there? Yeah, you know, last week we talked about how how well we were so happy to see McKinney, Hari, and Serdar in the lineup and together, and we were hoping maybe we could build off that. And for some reason, um, Caligari got to start in this one. Excuse me. <coughs> so that was an odd one to me for sure. And then we 
we talked about how it was nice to see Robbie Matondo having that pace, um, a complete opposite player that that is Bergseller, and they kind of complement each other because of those skills. Um, so if you're not going to have Katuchu in there, at least have Matondo. And they can put him back with Mark Uth, which is, you know, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I want to still give this guy a chance, but at this point, I'm, I'm more willing to give him a chance off the bench as opposed to starting because I think we need to get that get on the front foot from the beginning. And and, and this one in particular looks like we struggled uh, to do anything offensively. Um, but so it was it was a weird lineup for me. Um, you know, hopefully I was you know I was maybe hoping that with Caligiri sitting the last game that maybe. Or he came in the bench, you know, late in the game. Maybe he got a little spark from that. He got a boost and didn't really see that. So maybe he is better suited to come off the bench. Um, but I was I was slightly disappointed uh, in the lineup when I saw it. So um, on the bench, uh, some names that we always know about: Nastasic, Shof, Raman, Schubert, McKinney, Miranda, Matondo, Kabak, and Katuchu. Um, so yeah, this uh, this game was you knew it was gonna be cagey. Uh, it's two teams who will always play each other tight. I mean, the, the only two wins that Chicago had, you know, lately, one was a late winner for them a couple years in a DFB in DFB Pokal, and then the other victory again in DFB Pokal in the shootout. So, um, Cologne was, been was that the Max Meyer like chip? Yes, it was the goal that he tried but not really tried. So yeah, no, that was Ma- uh, Max that was Meyer, Velt class of football got just you know doing big things. Love to see it. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Anyway. <laughs> Um, oh, didn't you hear he's in the Premier League now because he's such a great player. He's getting all kinds of match minutes and getting all kinds of plaudits. He's doing great. Wow. Good good for him. <laughs> oh, good for him. Um, you know, we knew this was going to be, you know, Cologne's a bogey team for us, and they were obviously up for this. Um, you know, they've been a, they've been trouble for us. I don't know what it is. But the game was very cagey. Not not much is going on going either way. You know, both teams are pretty much canceling each other out. It wasn't until 21st minute or so um, – Alexander Nubel was actually called on to make his first big save point blank on Hizibua. Um, it was a cross, and I don't remember from who, uh, but he came diving header. I mean, it was basically point blank on on Nubel, but Nubel had no reaction, no nothing to do but stop it because he went right at him. But um, big save at that point of the game because uh, we've gone too many times a season or a couple times a season to teams that we should be beating. We go down early against them, so um, a big save at that point of the game. And this is why Nubel's such a great keeper, is that he's figured out something that no other keeper has figured out, which is that it's better to save the ball with your chest yes. than with your hands. Much more effective. So that's that's what he was doing there. It was definitely intent now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his ball comes flying in. Uh, it's great great delivery to him. And, man, if he, if he has any sort of direction on that header, it, it's a pretty easy goal because, I mean, even the save that Nubel made, obviously, was more of a reaction save than anything. Um, obviously you can tell that by the fact that he cleared it with his chest, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if he had placed that left, right, that that's, that's definitely a goal. Unfortunately for him, he just kind of came flying in and hit it right at Nubel. Um, so we were able to avoid that one, but, uh, definitely, definitely worrying. And, uh, I think I agree with you. I think we kind of struggled to get things going early in this one. Um, Colin certainly looks like they had the better of the play. Um, and really the better of, I think all the chances in the first half. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, this whatever I don't know if it was because of the lineup that we had, or just you know Cologne being our bogey team. It just we couldn't seem to do anything. Uh, Nubel was standing up strong, and you know he does seem to have more uh, chest blocks than anybody else in the league, uh, whether it's by chance or not. But um, yeah, that Jaka did have the less of the opportunities uh, in the first half. Uh, Shaka's pretty much one lone opportunity in the first half was in the thirty-first off a free kick. 
Uh, Jonas Hector nearly gets an own goal, hits it off the post. Uh, that was probably Schalke's best opportunity in the first half. Like you said, first half, um, we weren't doing much. Uh, if anyone was doing anything, it was Cologne, and it seemed very. It seemed like a like a you're like a, a top table encounter in, in, in the terms that you know neither team was getting too much, but Cologne certainly were having the better of the ball. Yeah, I I don't really blame us for for doing this, but you, you know, we talked last week about the energy that we came out with against Leipzig. Yeah, um, and how just from the opening whistle we were taking it to them, and that is not the approach that we had in this game at all. Um, and I would like to think that it's, it wasn't just because, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, this opponent isn't that strong. We don't have to really play that way, but um, yeah, just not, not a lot of um, urgency. It felt like early into this match for us. I also felt like uh, Ochipka and Kenny were pushing up really high in this one, more similar to some of the things we had done earlier in the season. Um, like Mascarell was joining the back line a lot early on when we were building in possession. Um, and so there was actually like, sometimes Harit was dropping all the way back to receive the ball from the back line, which is strange, but I don't know if that's exactly where you want him on the pitch. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, just, it, I don't know. It, it just didn't seem to work as well for whatever reason. I thought it was difficult for us to move the ball. Um, and once again, I don't think it, it just seemed to be a little bit of lack of energy and urgency to try to solve the problems as well. So yeah, Cologne had, had the better of it early on and um, slightly disappointing half. You mean, we're at home against a team that hasn't been performing particularly well. We're on this great run. I think we probably expected a little bit more from the team in the first 45. Yeah, 100%. And obviously something needed to be done and and something was done. Uh, Weston McKinney would come on just after halftime or at halftime for Mark Oot. Um, I think that was a good substitution because really, you know, Oot wasn't really done, doing anything in the first half. Uh, Berksall was putting in better of an effort uh, work-wise, you know, so that's why he kept in the game, and he seemed to be a favorite of Wagner. But McKinney, McKinney, and uh, McKinney and Berksall seem to have a good uh, pressing uh, teamwork when they're when they're in there together. We've seen that in a bunch of games this year. So that's probably Uth probably wasn't pressing enough for for Wagner and wasn't doing anything offensively. So McKinney comes in, and good things usually happen when he's in. Yeah, I, I sent out a tweet right before halftime where I basically called for Uth to be taken off. It, it's it, and as I said online, it, it doesn't give me any pleasure to say that. Like, I'm not, you know, like, gloating right. about it or anything. Right. But, I mean, what what did he do in the first half? Not much. Less than last game. It, it's, last it's, time he played. I mean, it's unfortunate, but just, like, it, when you're like, oh, yeah, Uch should be taken off. I mean, it's not because – it's not even because he was, like, missing chances or anything. It's just because he didn't do anything. Like, he didn't noticeably affect the play. Um it's it's just unfortunate. He just kind of is out there and just doesn't can't seem to really get involved or combine with his teammates that effectively. Um, he's just kind of a body. Uh, you know, he had had that great season at Hoffenheim prior to when we purchased him, and you would think certainly a, a player capable of of impacting the score sheet or, or you know do, doing something, but just so far too often when he's out there, he just kind of drifts through the minutes and and they seem to kind of pass him by. Um, but yeah, McKenny. Uh, Coming on, obviously, we're we're biased towards him. Um, but it, and as as we've talked about before, like th- there's some backlash to McKenny on Schalke Twitter that I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I, I don't I, understand I, either. I, I get that he's not the most polished player on the ball at times and can be a little raw, a little bit out of control, that kind of stuff. But 
it, I mean, it also seems to me that part of the, the 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 backlash to him is just that they don't like the positions that he plays in. But that's also not his fault. That's the fault of the managers playing him in in various roles that he probably isn't optimally suited to. Um, but yeah, I mean, McKenney has a, a work rate and a tenacity that I don't think can be understated. Um, I mean, we saw it in the Leipzig game. He was excellent in the pressing game. Uh, that whole play with Willie Orban in the corner where he was taking it to him ultimately wins that ball. Yeah, uh, a, a situation that I think a lot of other players outside of maybe Guido Bergstaller on our team would have given up on. Wins the ball back, plays it into Harit, which draws the penalty. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, those are the kind of things that maybe don't show up on the stat sheet for Weston McKinney, but massively affect the outcomes. And, but I mean, bottom line, Oot wasn't doing anything. So... Even if for some reason you're you're anti McKenny, I don't know who you would rather have come on in that situation. Obviously, maybe Matondo or I don't. I mean, I don't know. But um, and it wasn't McKenny going up top and combining. So it wasn't like he was playing striker again either. I think what happened for the most part is that he actually went out wide left, and it was Harit that moved up the pitch into the position that Oot was occupying previously. So McKenny was playing in the midfield, uh, maybe not like central midfield, but wasn't in the advanced areas that some people sometimes dislike him in, um, understandably. Uh, but a good, a good sub it's, it's, I kind of expected that to happen. Um, and I think it pretty immediately improved. I mean, who knows if that was partially just the team talk or some tactical things that changed, but the introduction of McKinney definitely seemed to open up the offense. It certainly yeah. did. The, uh, offense was seeming like they have a spark when he came in and it didn't take long really for some nice combination play to begin. Um, in the 54th minute, there's a nice combination when uh, uh, John Joe Kenny gave it to Swat Serger, who uh, kind of flicks it over his defender right on the path of Daniel Caligiri. Uh, where, when he gets to the goal line, he centers it back into the middle of the six. Uh, Bergstaller's there. He takes a shot. He misses just wide, but it's a good combination between the four players there. Um, whether intentional or not, you can say with a Swat Serger pass or a Caligiri's pass to... Um, Bergstaller, either way, it was a nice link-up play, and that was probably the best offensive chance to that point in the game that we had because we looked pretty stagnant up until that point. Yeah, I would agree. Just a different different energy um, to start the second half. Uh, better combination play. Seemed to finally be able to figure some things out um, going forward and, and early returns on it, maybe not in terms of an actual goal, but uh, promising chances. Promising chances indeed. And, uh, you know, you begin to wonder when you have these promising chances, would they come back to bite you? Uh, four minutes after that, in the 58th minute, Simon Tarota, uh, the guy who I, you know, I was fearing coming into this game, he had a golden header. Uh, Nubel with an equally golden save uh, by chance or, or by skill. Um, he preserves the score at 0 0. Um, excellent play. The ball gets ended up clearing out. Uh, they did go to VAR temporarily to see if Caligiri, whose hand uh, touched the ball, but I I think it was a good call. They made no penalty on that. It was unintentional. What, what are you going to do in that situation? The ball bounces off of Nubel's chest and bounces around before it hits Caligiri's arm. So good no call. Are you okay with that call? I thought this was a very interesting no call. Um, I mean, obviously I'm okay, about, okay with it from the <laughs> shot perspective, but it, it, it doesn't have to be intentional to be called. That's never been the case, True. at least to my understanding. Natural or unnatural, right? Um, exactly, yeah. I mean, if your arm's in an unnatural position, you know, it, that we, we've seen those called all the time. Um, I, sometimes if it's in a situation where the player really doesn't have time to react to it, they'll let it go, and maybe that's what they were saying with this one. But, I mean, the fact that it hit his chest first and then went onto his hand I think is almost even more incriminating 
because it, I, I don't know it, when that ball was coming in, Calgary kind of raised his arm for no apparent reason. His arm, I thought, was in an unnatural position. Um, I was I was almost a little bit surprised they didn't look at that closer and that something didn't come of that. Obviously, I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I wouldn't want to. Better be. Yeah, <laughs> but like. I don't know, and maybe it's just because I have no understanding of of handball rules, which I think a lot of people don't, because who knows what's ever going on with the officiating. But uh, I feel like I've seen plays like that given in the past at times. So I, I definitely, I definitely didn't think it was you know like a very clear cut case of a definitely a non penalty. But you know whatever. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm very murky on the whole handball rules. I think many people are not only the listeners, but I think the whole thing the referees are not exactly sure. They just kind of go with the instinct. Um, and that instance, I kind of thought the way I see the way I feel, at least with the handball, is that like, if it deflects off like another part of your body and then into your arm, it's unintentional most of the time, not all the time. I thought in this case, because the ball came in so fast off of Toronto's head that after it hit off a of noble, I mean, he was right there. I thought maybe he just didn't, his, while his hand shouldn't have been up that high, he didn't have enough time to react and get out of the way, maybe. I don't know, hopefully. But either way, there was no call and uh, the game would continue on. Um, but it was a big save, nonetheless, by Nubel. Nubel's name kept coming up more and more throughout the game, which is uh, not yeah. the best sign you want to hear, especially when you play a team like Cologne. If it was like Leipzig, it would be different. But um, a team that's at the bottom of the table, you don't want to necessarily hear your goalie's name come up time and time again throughout the game. That's yeah, that's, that's a good point. If you're if you're hearing Nubel's name a lot, it means that the defense is conceding far too many chances. But uh, credit to Nubel because I thought he was phenomenal. In this match, and outside of the the bad mistake for Leipzig's only goal in the three one, where he just kind of dropped that shot from was it Forsberg who took that? Yeah, um, he was excellent in the Leipzig game as well. So I mean, two really good performances in a row, uh, making some. I mean, that, that we I've said this on the podcast last year, the year before, that kind of thing. For me, you know, the, the, the difference between a good goalkeeper and a great goalkeeper is you know a good goalkeeper is going to make the saves that you expect them to make in the course of a game, a great keeper is going to make the saves you expect them to make and a few saves that you don't expect them to make. Um, and those are the kind of things that can change games. Um, yeah. Sometimes when you, when you, you know, concede a really good opportunity to a team and they should score and your keeper just pulls something that, you know, that's just extraordinary. And, and Nubel had, I think a couple moments of that in this one. Um, and, and at least one in the Leipzig game as well. So credit to him. He's in, he, he seems to be in excellent form right now and, uh, definitely bailing us out at times. I think our defense has been decent for the most part, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely helps to have that extra security back there for somebody who can step up when our defense concedes something. And I don't know if it was just the big presence of Toroto in there, who's a big body and he can get up there with the headers and seems to get those balls all the time. So I don't know if it was a little bit of that or just a defense uh, lapsing, but uh, nonetheless, a big save by, uh, by Nubel and no penalty, as we mentioned. Um, and then in the 60th minute, probably uh, the highlight of the game for Lisa, certainly for you, the godfather of the movement, um, the free Katuchu movement goes mainstream. Uh, Jack and I quote, this is what the this is what the caller said. He says, "There's a call for more of him to feature uh, from certain Saka fans." There's actually a free Katucha movement on Twitter, um, and obviously, I want Katucha would come on shortly thereafter for Daniel Calajiri. But um, yeah, we got we kept getting buzzed like crazy when they when they mentioned free Katucha there on the TV. Yeah, I mean, top five moments of my life for sure. <laughs> um, I think you would put it probably number three after getting married and the birth of your son. Probably, yeah. Um, maybe number four after the day that Franco DeSanto left the club. Uh, <laughs> the false nine yeah. two is up there. 
No, I mean, like I like I said before, I pretty much jumped out, jumped off my couch because you know, any any time they start talking about Katuchu and the 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 commentator goes in that direction, like yeah, there's been some people call. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- that's the thing is that like I think Kevin, I'm you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna group chat with Kevin Hatchard and like, so he's more aware of it than I thought that Thurgood was, but the fact that James did that was was just phenomenal. So once again, shout out to him. That was <laughs> that 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 I mean, it almost kind of made the whole result like okay for me because yeah. the, day, the day was won because of that. We 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 we've gone mainstream. It was great. Uh, um. But I mean, the sub itself, I think, is a is a good sub as well. Um, bringing on Katushu for Caligiuri, um, because we had kind of taken off uh, an attacking player uh, for McKenney, and obviously Harit moved up into that role. But you know, we're we're, we're down a quote unquote striker, um, so bringing Katushu in to try to finally make a difference and actually get on the score sheet, I thought was positive, and I thought he looked. Uh, I thought he looked good. Once again, um, certainly much more involved uh, in the play than than it was. So I mean, I think he continues to justify his inclusion pretty much any time he comes on the pitch. One hundred percent. I think uh, if we we thought the team had a spark once McKinney got on the pitch, and I think that spark even got more ignited once Katuchu got on there um, on that pitch. But it would be uh, Cologne again uh, in our faces in the six, this four minutes after the substitution. Uh, Tarota again with a header off a set piece. Nubu makes a save, intentional or not. Uh, it was ended up being called offside, but still a good save to see by the goalie to be in the place where he needs to be. Tarota again, just again, he jumping over everybody, being being a nuisance and and getting heads on balls and foot on balls. Uh, this guy was everywhere this game. Yeah, he, he certainly tried. Uh, definitely a couple times we thought he was going to get it done, and for whatever reason, just couldn't quite get it over the line today. But uh, I mean, as you said, he was one of the guys you were looking at as a danger man coming into it, and uh, kind of justified it with with some of the uh, the chances he popped up on. Though Cologne was a team that seemed to have more of the chances uh, in this matchup, this game was screaming for a goal. We finally got one. Um, luckily for us, uh, after the ball bouncing around in and off of Katuchu several times, the ball ended up going wide left to Bastian Chipka, who smartly crossed it back in the box. Uh, he finds Salif Sani back door, who actually, instead of shooting on target, hits it back across the goal, and Swat Serdar's right there, heads it in off the ground, one nothing Schalke, great play. That's the second time we've seen a play like that with Schalke going, uh, heading to the back post to, to find someone. It's a good initial ball from Ochipka, but that's a, that's a real smart play from, yeah. from Salif Sane. Uh Yeah, I mean, that, that's coming in. He doesn't maybe feel like he's in the best position to try to get a high percentage shot on frame. And as that ball's coming in, he sees that he's got Bergstaller and uh, Suat Serdar uh, kind of at the back post, and he just heads it across instead. And, uh, yeah, r- real smart find from him, and then Serdar executes it. And uh, <laughs> who would have thought he'd be in this kind of goal-scoring form early on? Uh, he's he's consistently getting these across the line, which, which is awesome. If it, Once again, we talked about this. Like, if we can continue to get goals from midfielders, that's going to help out tremendously, particularly when Bergstaller continues to not be able to put things over the line. What is he at now? Like 22 shots on the season without a goal, yeah. which is the, the most in the Bundesliga, I think, without without scoring. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, Serdar's been doing a lot of great things. Um, you know, we talked about his progressive dribbling last week and everything, but uh, the goal scoring has been huge as well. And it's it's a nice finish, and it's, it's, a, it's a great find from Sané, a uh, smart offensive play. And... <laughs> I mean, you kind of felt bad for Cologne at that point because they had had some chances that you thought they they probably deserved to get knocked in. But second half, I thought was was pretty much all Schalke, and you can't say that that goal wasn't deserved or wasn't coming based on how we had been playing, you know, since since the second half kicked off and with the you know introduction of of McKinney and Katuchu. 
Yeah, that, that goal was certainly a boost to our team. While we were playing much better in the second half, that seemed to give ignite us really, really, really well. Uh, minutes later, some more good pressure by Schalke. Uh, initially signing with a long ball that Katucha did amazing to jump out of the air and, and, and corral it. Um, he ends up slipping a pass to Harit, who he ends up losing it, but Schalke then like turned on the pressure, forced another turnover. Um, the Berksteller gave it to Harit, who gave it back, tried to give it back to Berksteller. It ended up getting broken up, but uh, the, the pressure that Schalke is uh, putting on these teams now, especially in this game and that moment, uh, caused a turnover and gave them another quality opportunity there. Uh, you love to see that a team, after they get a goal, they try to get another one real quick. It was so frustrating later in the second half, though, after that first one went in, how, how many times things just opened up for us in the box and all we needed was, like, one accurate pass. Final play, right. Just, like, not – I mean, they so many passes were, like, a foot or two too long, a little bit too much weight on them so that our player couldn't reach it and get a shot off. I mean, it happened so many – I mean uh, – I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't even really show up on, like, an XG chart or something because we didn't even get shots off. But th there were opportunities where we, where I think we definitely should have gotten shots on goal where we just weren't able to get one off for whatever reason. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the longer that was going on, the more you're like, eh, we might, we might live to regret this if we don't put another one away because we, we, we definitely didn't take advantage of uh, the momentum that we had in that game at that point. Wasteful opportunities is the theme that we, we we're going to harp on because, you know, they even mentioned in the telecast how they kept saying, oh, in the Mainz game, Schalke had opportunities and they didn't score and Mainz scored a goal. Luckily, they came back and got a goal late, blah, 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 blah. So you started getting that feeling as well. 83rd minute, McKenney finds John Joe Kenny for an odd man rush. Uh, he finds Swat Serdar there in the middle. He takes a shot. It goes just over the bar, hitting the top of the netting. Um, he could have had his fourth goal in five games there. I mean, that he needs to get those on net. I mean, great opportunity, great passing, but Swat needs to make the force the goalie to make a save in that because these off-target shots, who by everybody, they need to get it. They need to get on target. Yeah, it looked like maybe his initial touch didn't um, lay the ball out far enough for him to really, really kind of wind up and, and hit that. It, it looked like it was a little bit close to him, and he kind of got he almost jammed himself. And so yeah. I think because of that, maybe he was leaning back a little bit, a little off balance, and wasn't able to keep the shot down. But um, pretty good effort, uh, kind of curling up to that that top 90 um yeah i mean i i don't think timo horn would have saved that if that was on target because no. i think he was kind of stuck in the middle of a goal so that was yeah that I mean that wasn't one of the missed opportunities we've been talking about but um decent try i'm trying to remember where exactly that was nah, never mind it was top I, right I was corner yeah I, I was i was looking for a uh i was trying to look for a uh, there we go yeah was that a second minute yeah okay there you go yeah right at the top of the box so <sighs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a 20-minute spell I mean, for Schalke it, it was, for the last yeah, 20 minutes of the game where they just kept taking shots but not finishing. That's the problem. It was it was breathless stuff. I mean, we, we just it was chance after chance after chance. We were flying in there, and it was just kind of exasperating after a while because you're like, just put it over the line, man. Like, just lock this thing up. They look like a heavyweight fighter trying to go for the knockout punch, but they just kept missing the last punch uh, to try to score the goal. The big one, though, I think for me, 89th minute, uh, just before the end of the game, Bergstaller collects a long ball from John Joe Kenny, gives it to Harit, who gives it back to Bergstaller. Um, he's in on goal. Golden opportunity, one-on-one with the keeper. He hits the post short side. Huge miss. I mean, if that doesn't say soccer gods are against you, that's now, what, 22 shots, no goals for him. I don't know what does. Um, huge opportunity miss. That ended up being a game-changer. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that that next to uh, the Serdar goal that he finished off, 
Um, that chance from Bergstaller was the second highest XG chance of the game. And I think it had an XG of like exactly 0.5. Um, and Bergstaller, once again, outside of the Serdar goal, had the two largest XG chances in the match, did not convert either of them. So um, Bergstaller himself had an XG of close to one on a couple of different opportunities and, and wasn't able to convert it. Uh, that one in particular, I, I, despite how poorly he's been playing, uh, I actually I was, did expect him to finish that. I did too. I mean, and I don't expect him to finish a lot because a lot of times when he gets the balls in those areas, <laughs> I, I'm really not expecting it. But I mean, he he got played through. He opened up his hips. I was ex- really I was him... expecting far post goal there. Exactly. He opened up his hips, and I thought that was going to give him the angle to curl that far post. Instead, he goes near post and just kind of drags it a little bit, and he hits he hits the near post and doesn't go in. And I mean. Uh, there was an absolute meltdown on Schalke Twitter after that one. Uh, I mean, you're right. The guy, the guy's got to be cursed or something because that that is just it's brutal. It's brutal. And uh, I mean, I, I hate this, that this is becoming a thing. But I mean, the longer this goes on, this, this is rapidly becoming. De Santo Franco, too. Yeah, it's it's a Franco De Santo narrative. Narrative. It really is. And I mean, it, it's been fine for a while because we've been winning games, right? So it kind of it covers things up. But if we start dropping points uh, a little bit more consistently and we're dropping points in games where Bergstaller is missing massive chances, suddenly that becomes a little bit less acceptable, wouldn't you say? Oh, 100%. It, it's it's going to stick out more. I mean, there's there's some, I mean, results can mask some things at times, right? But that's going to be a problem. Um, don't know what the answer is, but he's got to figure it out and got to figure it out quickly. Otherwise, I mean, the free Katucci movement is going to gain even more steam. I think, I think there's not, I'm not even kidding. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are honestly would love to see a combination of Matondo and Katucci who are what, like a combined, like less than 40 years old, maybe. I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> I, that's how like young our star. I mean, but like Mark and, and Bergstaller aren't doing anything. You have Skripsky playing with the U23s. I mean, like, I don't know, but uh, brutal. I mean, that that was probably the best opportunity to close this thing out, and he can't get it done. And I, I feel bad for him because you know we we all like him, and he works works really hard. And I'm, I mean, I think he cares. It just it, it's got to be brutal for him more than anybody to not be to not be finishing these things off. But like, dude, gotta get it together, man. Yeah, no, he does, and it did come back to bite us. Uh, we talked about Nubel making, you know. Big time saves. He did have one at the end of the game, which went all for naught. Uh, Cologne came down. Anthony Modesta, who's who's a proven scorer in the Bundesliga, I think he has sixty goals to his name. Uh, he made he had his header, which forced I think it was a header. They forced Nubel to make a fantastic save that leads to a corner in the ninety first. Unfortunately, on that ensuing corner kick, they would get their goal off a near post flick by Jonas Hector. Um, worth note, I mean, Katucci was defending him. And a lot of people were railing on him on that goal, but I'm not sure if he could have done it much more against him. He was on him. It was just the ball was right to his head, and it was a good flick by, by Jonas Hector. What did you think? I don't think it was a header from Modest, was it? I thought it was that he came inside and hit that low into the Oh, corner. it was a shot. You're right. It was a shot. He yeah, didn't move to, and then yeah, off the chest. To, right. to me, that was the best the best save from Nubal all game. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, he, he got down low and saved that with his, I think his right hand maybe before he went into the corner. That I mean, that was, I thought they were going to steal it on that shot potentially. And that was one of the ones I was talking about. Nubal coming up with a save you don't necessarily expect. That was phenomenal. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, he gets, gets the corner and uh, we've scored with some near post flick on headers this, this season. And yeah, they got us there. I think it was Katushu guarding Hector. Near near post, uh, couldn't stop that one from coming in, and 
Cologne left it as late as they possibly could to, to, to get that. But, I mean, it, it was it was coming because even though we dominated the second half, they still had a couple chances here and there. And, you know, I, on the basis of the whole 90, they certainly do deserved a goal, I think. Yeah. Um, with, with the number of chances they did have. So uh, you can't you can't say that it wasn't deserved or that, they, you know, they, they stole it late or something like that. Um, we didn't do what we had to do to put the game out of reach, and we certainly could have. Um, we could have made this 2-0. We could have made this 3-0. Uh, and we didn't do that. And uh, something to learn from, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you take away from this match. Uh, it's going to feel like a missed opportunity for us, for sure. Um, not being able to go to top of the league, but um, not a whole lot that Newell can do on that one. And just unfortunate that it happened right there at the end. Yeah, and uh, it would have been nice going into the uh, international break with uh, in first place or second place probably after the Gladbach game. Um, but still, um, yeah, wasteful opportunity. I mean, you could take what you can take away from the game is that um, you did play better when certain players were in the game, um, but you just got to close out those opportunities. You you are creating the chances, but they need to do better on the finishing. I think that's the, that's the big thing right now. And um, the defense maybe just, maybe defense had a poor game, but whatever. Nubel was fantastic again. He's man in the match for me again for Schalke. Um, but yeah, it's 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 gonna be. Uh, Wagner's going to have to find a way to regroup the guys here for those who aren't going on um, uh, on for their respective national teams. So Serdar, shout out. He got a call up uh, for the for the DFB, uh, the Mannschaft. So well good deserved. for him. Well deserved for sure. It was funny because I think Abel Mezeros was the one starting that movie. He's, hey, let's get him on the national team. And sure enough, he gets on there. So I'm giving him full credit. Uh, he's had a great week then. I, mean, I think he needs to make sure he's he's devoting his full attention to the more important movement at hand, which is, of course, the Freakatucci movement. We don't need like five <laughs> different movements starting up. But I do respect his uh, his appreciation for, for Serdar, considering that he is not a Schalke fan in the first place. But yeah, it's well-deserved. Good season for him so far. Yes, and so we're going into this international break. Uh, I think after the Gladbach game today, we're going to be in fifth place um, in this on the table, which is where, like you say, we're, we're in the mix for all this stuff. Um, there's a bunch of teams. It's so tight up there at the top right now, which is which is awesome. I don't know about you, but either way, as long as I'm, I'm happy with a whoever wins the title this year, outside of two teams in particular, our two probably biggest rivals. Um, do you have that same feeling? I mean, obviously. We're in the mix right now, but it's, 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 it's a great surprise. But I'd be happy if anybody else wanted to this year, except for the you know two teams in particular. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's just there's not a lot of great options up there, or at least I, if it's I mean, a tight race, right? But like still. you don't you don't want Bayern to win, right? No, you're not really excited about the op- the uh, the prospects of Leipzig winning. Eh, um, I'm okay. I'm okay with that more than Bayern or Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, Gladbach is another close team again to us, but yeah, you know. Of the teams, eh, I mean, I would rather have like a Gladbach or a Freiburg or a Leverkusen. I Freiburg think, like, would be cool. That would be a cool story. Yeah, if Christian Strike pulled that off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as you say, we're in fifth place, but we're, we have the second most points in the league. I mean, so we're tied with a bunch of teams on that. So we're, we're right there. I mean, it's not as, um, in terms of what we've done from a points perspective, it's a little bit better than fifth place. It's all just like, you know, a goal difference thing. Um, because Bayern's goal difference is, uh, what is it, like 12 maybe? They have the yeah. most goals scored in the league, um, and ours is down at like seven. Um, haven't quite hit those kind of numbers yet, but uh, yeah, very much in the mix. Uh, disappointing result given what was on the table and the fact that, you know, Col- uh, you know, Cologne is right there at the bottom of the table, probably should have taken advantage of that at home, but 
you know, not not the worst result in the world. Still picked up a point for it. Still in, you know, and this is this is this is a weekend where a lot of teams drew, so we didn't really lose any ground. Um, doesn't hurt us in that regard. Uh, just gotta gotta regroup and uh, try to keep things going because this has been a pretty pretty strong start to the season through seven match days. Yeah, and then they, uh, we have a tough stretch here. We got Hoffenheim when we come back, and then uh, then it's the big Riviera Derby. Um, don't look now. You know, you would think Hoffenheim would be maybe an easier game because they don't have Julian Nagelsmann. They have Sebastian Rudy, uh, but they did just beat Bayern this weekend, two to one at Bayern. So um, don't look now. That team is very strong as well. So it'll be interesting when we come back from the break. I mean, wasn't that yesterday though? Mostly just craziness. Just some really good finishing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm actually interested in what the uh, once again, not, not that this tells the entire story, but I'm interested in what the actual XG numbers looked like from that, and Bayern significantly outperformed them in terms of XG. So I think that was just more of a case potentially. I didn't watch the game, but it might have been more of a case of um, just a couple excellent finishes on the on, on the part of Hoffenheim rather than yeah, Bayern outshot them like twenty to eight. Um, just wasteful, I guess, from Bayern. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can't take anyone for granted. Hoffenheim still has a decent squad. Um, you definitely think they're more dangerous with Julian Nagelsmann at the helm, given what a great young mind he is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully Sebastian Rudy doesn't do the double against his former oh, teams, knock yeah. off Bayern and then knock off Schalke. That would be brutal. Um, optimate, yeah, let's, let's hope we can get a result against that, and then we'll be set up with some high spirits and good momentum heading into the Derby, which should be a really good one this, this season. I mean, it's, it's good every time, regardless of where these teams are on the table. At least it feels like that. Um, it's the old trope of form goes out the window for these things, but that literally does seem to be the case sometimes in these Schalke Dortmund matches. So, um, but both teams playing pretty well to start the season, despite, you know, the meltdown that's happening on Dortmund Twitter right now. Um, they're still very much in position <laughs> to have a good season. They're just freaking out about it for some reason. They're yeah. four points off first place, like chill. And um, they're asking for they're asking for Mourinho to come in after the international break and this and that. I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. But um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Uh, it should be a good occasion given how well both these teams are playing this season, and uh, it, it truly is one of the the biggest spectacles I think in European football. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be fun. But we got uh, we got several weeks till that happens, and we got two weeks off uh, basically uh, with this international break. So um, we're probably been a little bit of hiatus unless something crazy comes up. In the meantime, uh, what are you going to do during your international break? Yeah, like I said, I'm just heading up to Wisconsin with uh, my two brothers, little uh, little bros weekend, getting up to the, the north woods of Wisconsin. Um, our family has a lake house up there. Um, should be uh, some beautiful colors, hopefully, with the leaves changing and everything this time of year. And like I said, maybe get some golf in before it gets too cold. Uh, just kind of close out close out the year in that regard. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, getting out of Chicago for a bit and uh, spending some time in nature, maybe do some hiking, that kind of thing. Just kind of unwind for a weekend. Yeah, no, I'm, I love it. That sounds good. Um, always love going to the lakes. I just came, I just came from one not too long ago. So, uh, anytime you get away in nature like that, it's really, really fun. Um, I'll be still in the city here. Obviously, I'll be at the at the Schalke watch party for the U.S. U.S. men's national team on Friday, and then you know, then that just catching games here and there and and relaxing for the most part. So, fun fact: not that anyone really cares, but uh, the two nil against Leipzig. Match day one of uh, Tedesco's first season when Kanaplianka uh, finished that thing off late. Um, I was actually at the lake house watching that game, so that's where that one took place for me. Ah, look at that. Interesting. Very interesting. 
And then I found 20 bucks. Cool story, right? Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we will wrap this one up. Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, DFB, though not too keen on them at the moment, for providing us tidbits on our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Schalke America. We want to give a special shout-out not only to our very good friends at NBC4 Nashville for their support, but to James Thurgood for, with the Free Katucha Movement shout-out on the telecast last night. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? At J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, I made the call for everyone that's following the Shock America handle to follow me as well. Didn't really move the needle last week. Pretty disappointed, but, you know, that's what I get, I guess. I guess got to do it organically through uh, superior content. We'll see how that goes. Please give Jack a follow at J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. <laughs> Well, listen, a tweet out or something. How about that? Maybe that's what. Not just you got to do it in multiple areas, right? <laughs> no, it's I, I don't. I don't need a bigger <laughs> ego than I have already. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, especially with the free Katuchu uh, shout out on the telecast. You can't now, tell me nothing. That's right. That's right. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me on Twitter as well at r underscore k h a r m a n, and then in a few days on Instagram. So. Uh, <laughs> until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Freaky Tuchu.